the Tibetan Buddhist tradition, there are um, a number of dozens of slogans. And they're called the Lojong trainings. And one of them, uh, number 43, says, Observe these two, even at the risk of your life. It further clarifies that these two refers to your refuge vows and your bodhisattva vows. So I'll unpack what, what this is pointing to. But it says, observe these even at the risk of your life. As a slogan, what it's pointing to is these are the most important. This points to the most important thing. This it points to something worth anchoring in and holding on to. Even holding on to for dear life, huh? So the refuge vows, as I mentioned last week, uh, tend to be stated, I take refuge in the Buddha, I take refuge in the Dharma, I take refuge in the Sangha. Meaning I orient myself in this direction. In the Lojong training, This is worded as, I take refuge in that which is not ego-based, but rather based in the open, unbiased nature of Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha. We also sometimes say, I go to the Buddha for refuge. I go to the Dharma for refuge. I go to the Sangha for refuge. I need help, I turn this direction. I need relief from suffering, I turn this direction. These three refuges are also the first three of the 16 bodhisattva precepts. In the Zen tradition, we have these 16 precepts, these 16 orienting guidelines for how to be ethical, how to not cause harm. And these guidelines don't come from outside of us. They don't come from outside of our true mind. We don't adopt them because someone else told them, told us to. Um, rather, we investigate and take them on 
only if and when they resonate with our uh, deep heart, our deep heart mind. So, you know, they've got to make rational sense and also intuitive sense. Otherwise, they're not... um, You know, we want to be taking on that which is wisdom and not that which is um, just rules and potentially manipulative ones at that. So um, the precepts are wisdom. So we have, some of us have these uh, garments, which are small representations of the Buddha's robe. And there's an initial one that uh, sometimes is just given and sometimes a person makes uh, when they formally take the precepts in a ceremony. Um, And I'm not talking today so much about the ceremony, but just like last week when I talked about our statement of inclusivity and I talked about um, how this Sangha and members of this Sangha really pledge to respect everyone. Um, We also, or at least it'll soon state on the website when I get around to it, we pledge to keep the precepts. Um, It's another part of our safe container. Or at least we're going to keep them when we're in this room and we're doing Sangha activities, you know, at the very least, when we're representing the group as we all are, um, again, at least when we're here. Um, so I'm going to go through the rest of these 16 precepts. The first three are the refuges. The second three are very simply stated. They're um, not to cause harm, to do good, and to do good for others. Pretty basic intention. And then the other ten, so you've got three and three. The other ten... to get them out there. The first is not to kill. These are all very, very familiar, right? Common to any religious tradition you might look at. So we say not to kill, but to cherish all life. So on one end, we're we're vowing not to commit acts of murder. Um, On the other end, on the more subtle end of the spectrum, the vow not to kill is actually a vow of non-separation. So one sangha um, has stated it, recognizing that I am not separate from all that is. This is the precept of non-killing. We say that each of the precepts contains all of the others. 
Um, Non-killing in particular, I find, if I take it deeply, really contains all the others. The others start sounding redundant. You know, like the guidelines that say, well, don't do that either, and don't do that either, and don't do that either. But really, if you take in the spirit of the first one, we wouldn't be talking about these other ones. Um, and this gets even funnier when you read through the Buddha's 200 or 300 some rules for monastics. It's like, okay, guys, come on. <clears throat> so, um, so three refuges, three treasures, and then there's ten great precepts, first of which is non-killing, um, second of which is non-stealing, or don't take that which is not given, or respect the belongings of others. Uh, the third is not to misuse sexual energy. The fourth is not to lie, but to speak the truth. The fifth is not to, the fifth really depends on who you talk to. It's really not to use intoxicants. Um, But that always invokes a long discussion, and most sanghas have put a softer wording of some sort on it so that people will take it. <laughs> so not to misuse intoxicants. Sixth precept. Sometimes I mix up the sixth and the seventh, but one of them is not to gossip about others' errors and faults, or just not to gossip, or not to slander. Um, and the seventh is specifically not to praise oneself by criticizing others. So those are actually two separate precepts. Uh, the eighth, I believe, is not to give vent to anger, but to seek its source. And again, there's many different um, versions, like worded statements for all of these, and those are nice to have side by side when doing precept study. Um, sometimes I even Google 16 Bodhisattva precepts and find ways of wording things that I haven't seen before, but again, they all have the same spirit. So when anger arises, letting it be the messenger, but not the means. Letting it tell me, okay, something needs to be addressed here, but looking into it a little more generally. Generally. You know, sometimes I gotta act right now. Um, and sometimes I gotta wait. So. Not to give vent to anger, but to seek its source. Uh, ninth one is um, not to be stingy, or not to be mean in the sense of stingy. And then sometimes it's further unfolded to say with dharma or with wealth. So with the teachings or with material wealth. also heard that one stated as not to keep things which should belong to others. That's a helpful concept for me. 
beautiful one. I've got a set of things that I call mine. But as we know, that's, that's a construct. <laughs> and sometimes I've got something in that bucket that it's better put in that bucket. Give it to goodwill or give it to a specific person. A tenth precept is not to speak ill of the three treasures. Not to speak ill of the Buddha, Dharma, or Sangha. Kind of loops us back to the first three. Not to speak ill of that very thing that we're supposed to be taking refuge in. Those are the 16 Bodhisattva precepts. In the, um, in the Raksu kind of metaphor here, or physical representation, um, it's patterned after a rice field, as is the, the Buddha's robe that goes over the left shoulder. That's just a small version. So it's the rice field. And then... Um, one teaching is that the precepts are like the dikes or the boundary around the rice field. Because we're increasingly getting in touch with our power, tremendous power, and our freedom and our spontaneity. And the precepts are in many ways a protection. As we're shooting from the hip, like, oh, anger? Oh, maybe not. Oh. Killing? No, maybe not. Oh, am I really going to borrow this pen from the office? Or maybe look at that again. Or maybe there's another solution. The precepts also protect us in the sense of when we're doing what we know to be upright, when we're making the decision that really is ultimately in the best resonance with our own wisdom, our own heart-mind, um, then that that can leave no trace in the mind, that kind of life. When we're doing something that we don't feel good about, that's going to ultimately get in the way of having a clear mind, moving forward. It's going to bother us at some level. You know, maybe we're going to have to hide it or want to hide it. An upright life means nothing to hide, nothing to prove, nothing to defend. Yeah, and we do the best we can. And we distinguish between, oh boy, I'm going to get the terms wrong. No, I don't think so. Between, uh, I don't like any of the words here, let's say, defiling the precepts and breaking the precepts. So 
And you know, this is all semantics. So let me, I'm gonna put the terms aside here. We distinguish between messing up, like, oops, you know, I took this action or held this thought. One version of the anger precept is not to harbor ill will. Mm -hmm. Oh, I nurtured this thought like, oops. That wasn't quite in alignment with my intention. Let me repair if necessary and come back to my intention, reaffirm, reaffirm my in intention. You know, and not get caught in, now I stink and I'm a bad person or, you know, making it a bigger deal than it needs to be. But like, let's go, oh, right, that's why I don't want to do that. Go like this. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we call that breaking the precepts. Mm -hmm. But we want to distinguish between that and breaking the precepts in the sense of, oh, these are no longer my vows. Okay, like forget it. You know, this is too hard or I don't care about this. So that's like some people would say, okay, that's, that's breaking the precepts. You know, breaking with a commitment, right? Like breaking off a marriage or another kind of relationship. Like, oh, okay, I'm no longer in. And then back to this um, Lojan slogan, the, the two that were advised to um, observe as the foundation, as the most important things. So the one being the refuge vows. And the precepts are really just an unfolding of the refuge vows. If I'm really taking refuge in my own open, unbiased nature and keeping the rest of the precepts as well. Um, but I'm a deluded human being. I am not fully enlightened, we can at least say. So we've got all these other precepts and I've committed to keep those. Some traditions say until I'm fully enlightened, I'll keep all of these. Um, so the other part is the Bodhisattva vow. So the Bodhisattva vow uh, is the vow to awaken, awaken fully, and then help others awaken. So at least in Mahayana Buddhism, this is held as the most important thing, and it's something that deeply resonates with me. I talked a little bit um, last week about how when something deeply resonates, I can let it resonate or not, let it resonate however it resonates and then hold that as I move to. 
And if I want to strengthen my, my resonance, really, with something that's important to me, then I might find ways to remind myself of that which is important to me. So I might um, formally take vows, or I might put something up on my refrigerator, or state intentions. Sometimes people state intentions in the morning, or before bed, or both, or some other time. Um, I might let a friend know, or let a partner know about an intention, or let a Sangha member know. I might do any of these things on a kind of trial basis to see how they feel in the body, to see if I get a yes or a no. And by working with intentions or vows in this way, I keep, I keep the mind on what is important, and I get clearer about what is important. And I use my life energy thus more skillfully. And that's a really simple thing. It doesn't have to be a big, heavy thing. It's really simple. It's true, right? Yeah. Sometimes there's obstacles or discomfort in this process, so I mention that just because it's part of the path. Hmm. You know, we have reasons we do the unskillful or misguided things we do. Maybe we think we're needing to do something subtle or overt to protect ourselves in the world and maybe we do need to do those things and maybe we don't maybe it's worth re-examining sometimes or feeling discomfort in the body as we kind of look around and say oh, is this really necessary is this really true a little bit about the precepts. Um, I think it's good to mention it from time to time. <laughs> Any questions? Um, I like the word precept, but it reminds me of the word pizza. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I don't think I'll forget them. <laughs> Folks, Olivia likes the word precept because it reminds her of the word pizza. Isn't that wonderful? All right. Food for the soul. Food for the soul. <laughs> All right.
Thanks. I'm going to turn the recording off here.